Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Today's Crypto Watch interview is with Ben Way, who's behind an American-based startup called Digits.io. Their aim is to allow people to spend cryptocurrencies in shops using their normal credit card, Visa, MasterCard or American Express. They reckon they've got the technology settled. There are some interesting solutions to the problems that go with this, in particular the volatility of the currencies going up and down, which merchants aren't going to be happy with, and also the latency. It takes a while for these transactions, particularly in Bitcoin, to settle. So they had to come up with a solution to that, which is quite interesting. And, you know, it's just another part of the development of cryptocurrencies, which is obviously ongoing. And, you know, despite the fall in the value of those things, there's plenty going on, and this is one of them. So here's Ben Way from Miami, Florida, talking about his startup called Digits.io. So, Ben, you've found a way to allow people to use cryptocurrencies or to spend cryptocurrencies through their normal credit cards. And I think you're in beta testing now. But I suppose the the interesting question to begin with is, have Visa and MasterCard actually agreed to this yet? So one of the interesting things you'll find when working, so I started in payments around five years ago by joining a traditional payments processor. And the payments ecosystem is very complex. So you've got Visa and MasterCard that are the actual primary networks, but then you've got all these intermediaries that actually do and process all the transactions. And so what we've done is understanding those relationships and the relationships we have, we have one of the big uh, top four uh, processes in the US uh, who is going to actually process the transactions across the Visa MasterCard network. So in a sense, you know, just like a merchant doesn't have a direct relationship with Visa and MasterCard or Amex, we don't either. We, we effectively uh, sit on top of the Visa MasterCard network. But the important thing is, with our technology, we actually settle on the Visa MasterCard network. So everyone, Visa, MasterCard, the merchants, the processors, everyone gets the same cut of the transaction as they would get as if it was a crypto transaction or not. Also, well, are you saying that you don't need uh, Visa and MasterCard and Amex to approve it or not? Exactly. Exactly. Right. We we run our transactions across a processor uh, that that processes the Visa, MasterCard, and Amex cards across you know billions of transactions. So, can you tell us what the uh, how exactly it works and what were the uh, what were sure. the things that you had to what were the things you had to overcome in building it? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, the, the payments ecosystem, is, I, I knew nothing about payments until about five years ago when I joined a traditional payments processor that processes millions of dollars in Visa and MasterCard transactions. And the first thing you learn when you get involved in the, uh, the payments space is that the whole ecosystem is very fragmented and, and um, quite unorganized. And so we had, uh, you know, I recognized around two years ago that we needed a, a crypto strategy and I was given the challenge of making 
crypto payments as simple as paying on your credit card. And I did that very literally. And what I conceived was uh, the fact that basically every single credit card in the world is a, a unique identifier. The, the, um, the 16, 15, 16 digit number is effectively a unique identifier. And what we do is we take that 15, 16 uh, digit uh, identifier and we connect a crypto wallet to it. So from a consumer's point of view, it's very simple. They just go on the site, they type in a 16 digit credit card number, connect their say Coinbase account. And um, then we actually settle that transaction across the Visa and MasterCard networks. But we were still faced with the two major problems in crypto payments, which is volatility and network transmission time. A, a, a merchant wants to know that they're getting what they're expecting at the time they're expecting it. They don't want to take a risk that, that the transaction could have dropped 30%. They don't want to have to wait 15 minutes to know whether they're actually going to get paid. So we designed a, a secondary product called the Hedge Lending Network, uh, which we believe is the first real-time lending platform in the world. And the Hedge Lending Network effectively solves um, those two uh, primary problems in uh, payments. So from a merchant's point of view, they actually never know it's a crypto payment. They just see a normal credit card transaction. All the magic happens on our back end where we convert uh, through the hedge lending network that transaction into a crypto payment, which sounds very complicated. From the user's point of view, it's very simple, but it is complex because we've, been, we've had to solve some pretty big problems. So, you know, the, the, the actual mechanics of how we solve those problems are, are pretty... Uh, pretty um, complex. But, but it sounds like fundamentally that you've, what you're doing is you're applying capital to the problem of volatility and latency in the network. Someone, someone's got to actually absorb the risk, yes. right? And to absorb risk, yes. you need capital. So whose who's capital exactly. is it? So Hedge Lending Network is an open uh, financial instrument. So we have, you know, there's five major lenders uh, that secure against crypto in the marketplace right now. So we're in conversations with them. Very, you know, they will provide capital. But the concept is that it is an open marketplace. So anybody, as long as they pass KYC uh, AML, can actually go on and uh, take a position at a certain rate on the hedge lending network. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a, effectively an investor platform. And each transaction is matched against uh, a lender. So this is one of the beautiful things that you can only do in crypto is what we actually end up doing is creating millions of effectively micro loans on the fly. So each transaction that comes through, say $100, is matched on the hedge lending network. And... Uh, there's a co obviously a cost to that. That's what the investor is getting their return on. But that cost is the lowest uh, market rate for that size of transaction at that time. So who provides the hedge lender with the return? Is it the consumer or the merchant? It's the consumer. There is a, a transaction cost within 
the transaction, which is lower, we believe, than uh, what they would pay to liquidate their crypto out of Coinbase. And we've modeled all this. We have an amazing analyst from JP Morgan who's modeled this. And we believe the actual cost will be, once the, the marketplace is active, will be substantially less than liquidating through traditional means. But not only that, because of the way the hedge lending network works, it has two incredible benefits to the end consumer. The first is that it allows the transfer of a short-term capital gains into a long-term capital gains, which can save the consumer up to 30% depending on their tax rate. And not only that, but if they choose to, in 366 days, they can actually pay back the transaction, the original transaction, $100 plus the, the fee, in fiat and take any upside in the crypto. So the crypto is doubled, they can actually a year later pay back that transaction in fiat and get the up, uptick. We don't expect that many users to engage in that because it's a more sophisticated user base that effectively hedging their own transactions. But it is a very nice feature, especially on the tax side that, that will benefit, you know, we believe a lot of consumers. So you're saying it's a, um, a way for people to um, speculate on cryptocurrencies uh, as well as yeah. um, buy stuff if they want to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There just happens to be a side effect of, of how we have created the hedge lending network, which, um, you know, like I said, has, has some pretty nice benefits for the consumer. So, so are you saying that this is the first solution to the issue or the problem of uh, spending cryptocurrencies, you know, in stores? I wouldn't say it's the only solution. A lot of people are trying to come at it from many different ways. And, I'm sure there will be a number of solutions in the market that, that will benefit the consumer. Uh, I have not seen anybody uh, doing anything close to what we're doing, um, both from the front end and with the hedge lending network. It's, uh, it's a pretty unique proposition. And, you know, we've had, you know, many, many experts during our due diligence process look at it from a payments perspective, whether we can actually achieve it. You know, exactly the same question as you're asking, like, you know, what about Visa and MasterCard and Amex and all, all those, um, those uh, interesting aspects. And we've not found anybody who's approaching it like us. Um, you know, traditionally, what a lot of uh, companies are doing is they're issuing physical credit cards, which obviously, you know, is, quite an expensive and risky way of, um, of trying to solve the problem. So we, we like to think that because, you know, we can take literally the credit cards in your pocket and convert them into crypto cards, it allows more consumers to access, um, you know, what we're, what we're, what we're doing. So, so um, what are you waiting on? Now, really, um, you've got to get the um, the hedge lenders. You said you've got five lenders, um, and you're still you're still talking to them. Yeah. Uh, what else do you need to do before you can launch it? So we're we're very lucky. We're we're actually around six months ahead of where we were uh, planning to be on the technology. So we have tested 
uh, and send transaction front end. We have a fully functional API. Uh, you can actually go to the hedgelendingnetwork.com and actually uh, play uh, with uh, the um, uh, investor platform for the hedge lending network. And it's quite interesting. It uses obviously simulated data, but it's a, a fully functional API driven um, system. And, uh, you know, we're effectively um, just finishing off the technology. We launch in beta probably in September or October. Uh, we will do a, a small consumer test, and then we will roll it out, uh, you know, as, as the market desires. And how are you funding it? Um, I think it's through an ICO, isn't it? Have you got the money in yet? Yeah, so we've uh, we've done pretty well. We've um, uh, raised uh, at this point some $150,000. Uh, we're just about to launch uh, on Ringen Labs, which is uh, a uh, ICO uh, platform or pre-ICO platform. We're planning to raise in total, um, including discounts, it works out around 30, 35 million. Um, and we plan to close uh, pre-ICO at around 10 to 15 million. Uh, so we'll be planning to do our full ICO in September. So you're not going to do an IPO, it's just just ICO? Just an ICO. But we are a securities token. We have taken, um, we took very early on that, you know, token in in this sense are a security. And, you know, I'm treating this company like a public company uh, because I think that's you know the, the the way things are moving and so we're securities and we we hope and we think we will be one of the first um, uh, securities listed on the new token securities platforms that are uh, uh, things come out in the next uh, couple of months well, I take it your tokens don't um provide equity in your business what what do they provide what do you get oh, actually, by your actually token? they do we, we 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 actually have connected 20 percent of our equity directly into our token um which is quite unusual and uh you know we we expect an interesting market response to that because it is an unusual uh or you know, i think it's the way things are are moving so um you know obviously we have uh, taken economics as well, but you know, we do see ourselves as a security token, and we do connect equity into that into that token. That's very interesting. I hadn't, I've never seen that before. Is it? Um, so is it? So there's a bunch. Of, is is it fair to say there's a bunch of things that go with the tokens, including equity? Because otherwise, if it was just equity, you might as yeah. well issue shares. Yes, there are there are a number of different, um, should we say, value propositions for holding tokens, and and not only that the. Um, the, even you, you're correct in saying you may as well just issue shares, but token with the new securities platforms coming up, you're actually, um, in a sense, you have much more liquidity, even if you're connecting equity into tokens, um, because you know the only the only real way to uh, derive value on a marketplace level for equity would be to actually fully IPO and we all know the costs of and the the challenges of of IPOing and, and the cost of the market. And 
the I think the idea long term is that um, you know token markets or token security markets are going to provide effectively a small cap uh, way of efficiently listing a uh, a, a public security. And so, uh, you know, I get I get the point that it's, you know, that, that there is an aspect of well, why don't you just um, issue equity. But I think that by connecting equity into the tokens and then putting those tokens on a security platform provides a, a uh, much more cost effective and efficient uh, solution uh, to creating an open marketplace for, for that value than, you know, an IPO. Just turning to uh, a bit about yourself, Ben, um, I've been looking at your uh, LinkedIn profile. I tell you what, it's one of the longest uh, LinkedIn CVs I've ever seen. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's long enough for someone who's 80 years old. And you, you look about 40. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little bit uh, younger than that. Um, well, oh, I see. Um, All right. 37. Well, <laughs> that's uh, that's even more amazing. And and the other thing is that's striking about your profile is that there are 10 things um, that are listed as being present at present. Um, so what's going on? Well, I mean, you have to imagine I've been in business for, God, now, what is it, 20 plus years. Um, I started Europe's first thing to base. I've helped, you know, 200 plus companies get to product market fit, of which, you know, I have stakes in my help. Um, you know, I am, I am a absolutely traditional serial entrepreneur. I, I, um, you know, I have a huge amount of bandwidth and I deliver value into the market for the companies that I work with. So, you know, we, at any one time I have, you know, a, a full-time project, which is obviously digit. Um, but, you know, I advise across many, many different companies. Um, and that's, uh, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Right. So all these other things that you're doing are, are advice gigs, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say not all of them. Some of them I'm, you know, more heavily involved in just a advisor. I'm a founder of, you know, obviously quite a few companies, but, you know, in terms of bandwidth, um, you know, digits is obviously a, uh, the the primary uh, primary concern. And who's behind it? How much of it is you, do you own, and um, uh, and who else have you got with you? Yeah, so um, digits uh, was spun out of the traditional payments processor. Um, they funded the initial work and concepts and technology. I um, have a, a reasonable stake. I think it's, uh, don't quote me on this, I, I think it's around uh, 18% of the equity. I won't and, quote you. You're, you're, um, you're, quote, you're quoting yourself there. Not, I won't quote you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the don't uh, don't uh, don't hold me to that. I would say it's uh, I'd have Fine. to look back in the documentation. But um, we won't. We won't. Uh, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I you know, I have a, a, a sizable uh, piece of equity, and we have a great team. And you know, our team comes from the traditional payments space, so we've um, got you know the 
uh, ex-head of payments for Visa on our advisory board, um, you know, the guys that built Apple Pay, the first CFO of PayPal uh, is our chairman. Um, so we put together a stellar team. Our technologist is, uh, you know, I've worked with him for 15 years. He's one of the most talented people I know. Um, you know, I mean, like any business, we're, we're just, you know, trying to build value and a technology that has, you know, long-term lasting value in the market. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Ben Way, one of the founders of Digits.io, speaking to us from Miami, Florida. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch Market Wrap with market commentator Saeed Sadawi. On June 19 of this week, a mysterious Bitcoin block was mined containing the block hash 21E800. Sending the community into a frenzy, the mystery surrounding this block revolves around both its stark similarity to the first or Genesis block mined by Satoshi Nakamoto way back in 2009, and secondly, the extraordinarily unlikeliness of a miner computing this hash due to current-gen technological constraints. It's been suggested it would take a miner approximately 2,512 years to discover this block, triggering rumors that this event was either pre-mediated, a message from Satoshi Nakamoto himself, evidence of quantum computing on the Bitcoin network, or the more than likely answer, nothing more than a mere random event. Arguably the leading topic of industry-wide scrutiny, the cryptosphere's most widely used stablecoin, Tether, announced this week that all Tethers are in fact backed by legitimate USD reserves. After engaging Free, Sporkin and Sullivan LLP or the FSS to review both tethers in circulation and their corresponding currency reserves, the FSS has reportedly confirmed tethers' long-standing claims. Tether in the news again, this time for minting US $250 million worth of USDT, triggering a small bounce in Bitcoin price. This was tethers' first minting since the 19th of May of this year, bringing the total number of tethers in circulation to a whopping $2.5 billion. News from the former Japanese cryptocurrency exchange Mt. Gox, famous, or should I say infamous, for its disastrous collapse in 2014 due to a hack of around 850,000 bitcoins, with customers left in the dark without any compensation up until this week, it was ruled Mt. Gox will compensate customers US $1 billion to be repaid early 2019. Finally, many popular cryptocurrencies are in the process of or have announced plans to swap to their native mainnets critical as it denotes functionality and illustrates a transition from testnet or a migration from popular chains such as Ethereum, all of Tron, VeChain, Ontology and Icon are in the process of initiating their swaps. Now on to the market wrap-up. The market remains in a bear trend with this week seeing substantial drawdowns across the board. Overall market cap is down a whopping US $37 million or 12.5% in this week alone, largely due to a sustained lack in participant confidence. This week, despite some late-week momentum, has seen the community seeing red. With Bitcoin dominance continuing to creep up almost 2% in this week alone, up to a total of 42%, this has seen a continued drain in market cap among popular alternative or altcoins. Evident as their percentage loss for the week is comparatively higher than Bitcoins, this week alone has been particularly bad even for high-caliber projects such as Bidem, which is down a massive 30% in this week alone. Majors this week have, like the rest of the market, continued their downtrends. Despite some late-week bounces, Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash and Ripple are this week down on average 13.5%.
With Bitcoin down approximately half this percentage, it's easy to see the rise in Bitcoin dominance in action. And that's all for the weekly wrap up, guys. I'm Sayed Sadawi, and I'll see you next time. Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. Our theme music was written and recorded by Broke for free.